Hello and welcome to our night before Easter broadcast. I am honored to be speaking to you tonight and I am so glad to be here. Uh, I do want to welcome everyone to the broadcast. If you are a first time visitor, we give you a special welcome and we're so glad you've chosen to join us tonight. Um, those of you who have been here before have heard, but if you have any questions about what we're doing or our church or uh, any of those things, you can go to newarkupc.info and there you can find all kinds of uh, things that are available to you. You can get your questions answered about joining an online small group. You can fill out a baptism request you can add a prayer request or you can sign up to join the prayer team and much, much more. All of those things are available at Newark, N-E-W-A-R-K, uh, Newark UPC, like United Pentecostal Church, dot info. So that's where you can go to find out more about us. Uh, I'd like to start tonight by prayer and uh, then we'll get into our lesson. God. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to come together online. Thank you for the opportunity to celebrate your death, your burial, and your resurrection. Help me, Lord, to speak your word tonight and help us each to absorb your word as well. Bless us, Lord, and bless our gathering. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the theme this week has been uh, an interesting one because it's the theme is a religion for losers. And I will tell you that this is a two week series and next week is not a religion for losers. Uh, so you can stay tuned to see what that is. But I, uh, I plugged loser into my thesaurus and I got some words that I really like. Not that loser is not a great word, but uh, some synonyms for loser is a flunky, a dud, a flop, and a failure. So if you don't like the word loser, um, you could pick one of those instead. Uh, a religion for flops is a fun way to say it as well. So to recap this week's losers, I have really exceptionally enjoyed this week's broadcast. Every night has been just over the top really good and I have enjoyed it for sure. But uh, last Sunday, Meg spoke to us about the disciples snoring while, uh, while Jesus is in anguish. I mean, he's sweating great drops of blood. He's in so much stress and they're just over there sawing logs. Uh, then we get on Tuesday night, Arash spoke to us of Peter's denial. Uh, and I always love to hear Arash tell a story. He's such a, such a great storyteller and he you know he talks about this little maid servant that Peter felt threatened by and and uh, then my my father on Wednesday spoke about the what we call the triumphal entry but how it was it compared to a Roman uh, parade or or that which was the thing in that time that would have honored someone this was more of like a a loser's parade uh, if we if we had a parade with just like all our neighbors driving down the street and, and just normal people uh, wearing normal clothes, riding in their, their normal 
cars, maybe even not the nicest cars. And they had, instead of the Macy's, you know, the really cool figures that fly up in the sky for the Macy's parade, maybe they have like regular latex balloons. That would be uh, no helium or anything, just like a regular balloon on a string or, or even no string. Um, that's kind of the equivalent of what this parade was. And then Leela spoke to us uh, on Thursday about Barabbas and, and how the crowd chose Barabbas over Jesus. Now you talk about being picked last for the team. That, that was kind of low. I mean, do you want Jesus who's going around the country uh, countryside doing miracles and, and multiplying bread? Or do you want this criminal who's probably a murderer and, and the criminal gets picked over you? So that was, that was kind of a low blow there with Barabbas. Tonight, I'm going to talk about um, how Jesus was betrayed, denied, and abandoned by almost all of the people. The scriptures I'm reading, I'm going to read a lot of scriptures, and almost all of them are in the message. I love the message when I'm telling a story. It's just a great storytelling version of the Bible. And um, so that's what that's from if you want to look something up later. The, the uh, scriptures will be put up on the screen as well. So one other thing, every time I say the word loser, if you don't mind, or if you have a kid who would like to get involved, when I say the word loser, tap on either the sad crying face reaction button or the thumbs down button. I don't use the thumbs down button very much. Uh, so you can have a little fun with that. And uh, every time I I say loser, so let's practice it. I just said loser. Um, you can you can have a little fun with that. Imagine with me if you can that you hadn't heard this story before. It's coming from an authority that you trust and you know it to be true, but you don't know the end of this story. So if you can, I know we've heard this story over and over and over, and that's a good thing. But let's pretend if we can that we don't know the end of this story. To set up the narrative, we, we have uh, right after the triumphal entry, we have them celebrating what we would call the Last Supper. Mark 14, 10 through 11, Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the cabal of high priests, determined to betray him. They couldn't believe their ears and promised to pay him well. He started looking for just the right moment to hand him over. So Judas is wanting to hand over Jesus to the high priests who have been looking for a way to trap him. So Jesus and his disciples prepare a special meal and they begin to eat it. In the middle of the supper, Jesus stands up and says, maybe he doesn't stand up, I don't know, but he says, I have something hard but important to say to you. One of you is going to hand me over to the conspirators, one who at this moment is eating with me. Stunned, they started asking one after another, it isn't me, is it? He said, it's one of the 12, one who eats with me out of the same bowl. In one sense, it turns out that the Son of Man is entering into a way of treachery well marked by the scriptures. 
no surprises here. In another sense, the man who turns him in turns traitor to the son of man. Better never to have been born than to do this. Now, I think it's safe to say that when Jesus says that it would be better if the person had never been born, I think that qualifies as what we would call as a loser. So in this story, we have, we have someone betraying Jesus and actually handing him over to people who he knows are not out for his good. Then, so they leave the supper and then they go out to the Mount of Olives. At the base of the Mount of Olives is a garden where they've been multiple times. And uh, Jesus on the way quotes a prophecy from Zechariah 13, 7 about his sheep being scattered. And in Mark 14, uh, 27, Jesus told them, you're all going to feel that your world is falling apart and that it's my fault. There is a scripture that says, I will strike the shepherd. The sheep will go helter skelter. And I love that description of helter skelter because that's exactly what the disciples did. They just went helter skelter all over the place. But after I am raised up, Jesus says, I will go ahead of you leading the way to Galilee. Peter blurted out, even if everyone else is ashamed of you when things fall to pieces, I won't be. Jesus said, don't be so sure. Today, this very night, in fact, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. He blustered in protest. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. All the others said the same thing. So insert right here, Meg's message from Sunday, because it fits perfectly. And they couldn't even stay awake when in verse 33, Mark says, he sank into a pit of suffocating darkness. And he told them, I feel bad enough right now to die. Stay here and keep vigil with me. And, and so he was in anguish. He was sweating drops of blood. He, he uh, was in this pit of suffocating darkness. He felt bad enough to die. He asks them, can you just stay with me and be with me? And they go to sleep. That, what a bunch of losers. So then he's arrested. And uh, people who arrested, who are arrested, could be, considered to be losers. At least they've lost a contest with the authorities arresting them. Um, even if they are unjustly arrested, they've lost that contest. Mark 14, 48 then says, Jesus said to them, what is this? He says to his, his people coming after him. What is this? Coming after me with swords and clubs as if I were a dangerous criminal. Day after day, I've been sitting in the temple teaching, and you never so much as lifted a hand against me. What you have, what you in fact have done is confirm the prophetic writings. And if you're interested in a, in a little Bible study, if you go through this story um, in the different gospels, 
just go to the end of each gospel and thumb back a few chapters and you'll find the story. Uh, go through and, and find the prophecies where um, it foretells, just like we've studied the foretelling of Jesus' birth, there were a lot of prophecies being fulfilled here about how Jesus would die. But after he says that to the people attack, people getting ready to arrest him, all the disciples cut and run. No surprise. But when you haven't heard the story, wow, what a disappointment. These people said that they would stick with him to the end of the world, even if they died. Uh, they all said, we won't go anywhere. We are with you, Jesus. But at the first sign of trouble, all the disciples cut and run. These disciples were acting like losers. They didn't even stick with him when the going got tough. When the going got tough, the disciples ran off. Just for Rosh, because he loves this verse, I have to read for you this next verse. It doesn't have a lot to do with my message, but I can't not read it. So here you go, Rosh. A young man was following along. All he had on was a bed sheet. Some of the men, why is he wearing a bed sheet? I don't know. Some of the men grabbed him, but he got away running off naked, leaving them holding the sheet. So there we have our first mention of a streaker in the Bible. And uh, I guess you could say that streakers would be considered usually loser type people. But anyway, here you can insert Arash's lesson about Peter's denial. Remember from earlier in Mark 14, he had said, even if everyone else is ashamed of you, when things fall to pieces, I won't be. And he said, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. Well, he did. Peter was acting like a loser. So then we have Jesus is taken away by the people arresting him. And you can insert right here, you see how it all fits together, Leela's lesson about Barabbas. And Jesus was literally the loser of that contest between himself and Barabbas. The Jewish authorities had been against him. And so with the help of the Romans, these bullies were finally winning. And Jesus was really looking like the loser of this situation. He didn't even defend himself. He just stood there and, and said very, very little as he's accused and, and falsely accused. It wasn't even that they had evidence for anything except that he had said he was the son of God, which we know is the truth. So remember, think of, we haven't heard this story before and we don't know how it's gonna end, but it's not looking good for Jesus. Jesus then was flogged. The soldiers and rulers mocked him. They gave him a crown of thorns and a purple robe just to make fun of him and cause him trouble. They cursed him. They spit on him. They made him try to carry his cross. And by this point, he couldn't do that. He was crucified, nude. He was tortured in this excruciating way. The word excruciating actually comes from the same base word as cross. You can see crux in there. That's the same base word as cross. And so the word we get 
excruciating from is connected to this crucifixion itself. That's the origin of that word. It was one of the most humiliating ways to die. Uh, it was a way reserved, it was a method reserved for rebellious slaves and enemies of the state. All around, this story is a story of losers, of flunks, duds, flops, failures. There was, however, there was one bright spot in the narrative. There were some women literally following Jesus. And disciples, the meaning of a disciple is a follower. So these women were disciples of Jesus and they were true. They were true to the very end. So let's see, we have to kind of look for them because they're not drawn out a whole lot. But if we look, we can find these women being faithful. Luke, uh, Luke 23, 27, as he, as he carries his cross to Golgotha or what today might be called Skull Hill, sounds like a real joyful place, doesn't it? No, it wasn't, Skull Hill. Uh, so as he's going along the road, trying to carry this cross and they, they actually, he falls, he can't carry it any further. So they, uh, they pull in uh, Simon of Cyrene who carried the cross for Jesus. And he turns and, and speaks to these women actually, but Luke 23 says a huge crowd of people followed along with women weeping and carrying on. Now, from what I can tell in that time period, women were actually trained to lament and cry and weep. But somehow I suspect with these women, it was not a show, it was not put on. I think that this is, they really were deeply in their heart lamenting because their master is being tortured. He's bloodied, he's weak, he's, he's being treated like, well, like a loser. All the other guys that were around them have run off, except possibly John. Um, at least the, John says the disciple who Jesus loved. We always assume that was John. It's probably a safe assumption. At the crucifixion, let's see if we can find them there. Mark 15, 40 through 41. This is after Jesus has died, given up the ghost, says it is finished. And verse 40 says, there were women watching from a distance. Among them, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of the younger James and Joseph, and Salome. When Jesus was in Galilee, these women followed and served him and had come up with him to Jerusalem. So let's see if we can figure out a little more about these women who were at the cross. In the earlier part of the narrative of Jesus' ministry, we have this bit. Luke 8 verses 1 through 3 says, this is earlier in Jesus' ministry. He's traveling around the countryside. He continued according to plan traveled to town after town, village after village, preaching God's kingdom, spreading the message. The 12 were with him. There were also some women in their company who had been healed of various evil afflictions and illnesses. Mary, the one called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. 
Joanna, wife of Chusa, Herod's manager, and Susanna, along with many others who used their considerable means to provide for the company. So we can look in the different, uh, different narratives of the crucifixion and get some different kinds of, some different names. We're not sure exactly because it'll say things like Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. Do we think that's two people or one, pe one person? It's kind of hard to tell. But these women, I think it's safe to assume that some of these women at least were women who had been healed of evil spirits and illnesses. They were followers, disciples. Uh, some of them were wealthy. And then we get some that are named. Mary, the mother of Jesus, Jesus's aunt, the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Mary, wife of Clopas, Mary, the mother of James the Younger and Joseph, Salome, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, the mother of Zebedee brothers. See, some of these are repeated. It's hard to tell whether this is one person or two or three. Um, Quite possibly Joanna, the wife of Chusa, was there, and Susanna. There were quite a few women, you can see. Some of them were wealthy. I'm sure that, that the wife of Herod Steward had some resources. They were respectable. They came from respectable environments, some of them. Mary Magdalene, not so much. Uh, they were mothers of successful children. They were wives of honorable men. But let's talk about women in general in this context. Any woman in the gospel, in the world of the gospels, she was the property of some man. She was the property of him. Whether it be a, a father, a husband, a brother, whatever the case, she was his property. She would for all of her life be under the authority of this man. Slaves could be emancipated. Boys would grow up but a woman would not change her situation. She was stuck. She was not allowed to divorce her husband. She could not participate in synagogue worship. She could not enter the temple beyond the court of women. She was not allowed to even touch the scriptures lest she should defile them. She could not testify in a court of law. And generally she could not, she was not allowed by society to talk to men much at all, especially in public. She was expected to be seen and not heard, um, and, and hopefully not even seen very much. We just want these women behind the scenes. Uh, so let's think of these women who are following Jesus. They the women were the lowest in society, and even the highest women were the lowest in society. These women were disobeying the rules. They were outside of their houses, and they were traveling around the countryside, and they were hanging out with men. Scandalous, just awful behavior. They were being discipled and taught. They were learning. Remember Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, as opposed to being in the kitchen as her sister was? Jesus actually discouraged the scandalous behavior of learning. It was just awful. It wasn't really awful, it was amazing. 
that these women could do these things that society had said they could not, should not, must not do. Even the few people who did stick by Jesus, because Jesus had some people who stuck by him. They were women and they would have been the loserest of loser people in that society. And some of them would have been considered women of low character at that. Uh, when you've been possessed by seven devils, that doesn't really uh, make society look kindly on you. Why? Why did the Savior choose this way? Isn't that a surprise? Don't we expect him to, to come as a, a mighty person? Is this a, is this a plot twist? But his loserdom shouldn't be a surprise. Because Isaiah, now Isaiah quote, uh, prophesied what we say at Christmas, and it's such a wonderful verse. Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. What a wonderful prophecy. Victorious, government on his shoulder, Prince. That same Isaiah also foretold in Isaiah 53. And I apologize for the length of this reading, but I want it to get into our souls and into our minds. And so listen as we read what Isaiah said. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We have left God's paths to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all of their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. This is a dark, sad, depressing passage. Why would God choose this way? I don't know why it had to be this way, 
but I know that he did it for us. He did it for you and he did it for me. Come back to verse 11 of that passage. He made it possible for many to be counted righteous for he will bear all their sins. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. Rebels are losers. Guess what? You're a loser and I'm a loser. Would I have followed Jesus all the way to the tomb? Would I have stood up for him? Or would I have betrayed him and denied him? Probably the latter. Why? Why do I think I would have done this? Because I've done all those things in my life. Maybe not with words. Maybe I haven't said I don't know him. But in action, certainly. And you have too. We're losers. We're flunkies duds, flops, and failures. But I have good news. Christianity, becoming a disciple of Christ, following Christ, is for losers. Losers like us. Losers like you and losers like me. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for all you have done for us. Thank you for coming to save the lowest of the low, the failures, the flops, the duds. Thank you, Lord, because that includes me and that includes my friends. You came for people who had not behaved well. You came for people whose society did not appreciate and you called them your own. You paid the price for them and you bought them and redeemed them. And I'm so, so thankful for that. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So that was part one of a message that we will continue on Tuesday. In conclusion, I would like to thank you for joining and invite you, like I said before, to go to newarkupc.info. You can do all those wonderful things there and more that I didn't mention. Tomorrow evening at seven o'clock, we are going to be having a special Easter service, I guess you could call it, online. We have, normally I would say a special guest coming in, but this time it's a special guest coming on. You do not want to miss tomorrow evening. We will be having communion, so you need to have something to drink and something to eat to symbolize uh, Jesus' bread, uh, Jesus' body and blood. And I am looking forward to Sunday morning, Easter, and studying next week about the second story, the second chapter in the book of Losers. Thanks and have a good night.